From APM, American Public Media, this is a special podcast-only edition of WIT. I'm John Moe. Podcast-only, if you are listening on a radio station, something has gone terribly wrong. There's no right or wrong here. There's no right or wrong here. Coming up, a corporate get-to-know-you exercise goes astray and a peek inside the WIT's mailbag. But first, we have a very special guest with us this week, John DiMaggio. His is a voice that you have heard, maybe as Bender on Futurama. Bite my shiny metal ass. Jake the dog on Adventure Time. Baking pancakes, making bacon pancakes. Take some bacon and I'll put it in a pancake. Bacon pancakes, that's what it's gonna make. Bacon pancakes. He's part of Thrilling Adventure Hour. He is a very, very popular voice actor, one of the top voice actors in the game. I talked to him this week. It's 1991. I'm in a bar in New Jersey called Doll's Place, and I see you <laughs> rapping and beatboxing with yes. another fella. Please describe to me what I was seeing. Um, you were seeing uh, what was then the, the, the beginning of my career in stand-up. Um, that was, I was in a comedy team called Red Johnny and the Round Guy. It was, with a, it was another fella from uh, Rutgers and... A we round fella. About, yeah. yeah, round fella. He had a round face, and uh-huh. I was Red Johnny. But then I started to gain weight, so it, was, it became Red Johnny is the round guy and friends. <laughs> and that just didn't really work. No, it doesn't flow. Um, no, it doesn't flow. But that was the very beginning. I, I went to, uh, we met at Rutgers, and uh, I had gone to Mason Grove School of the Arts for trying to get my BFA in acting. And that didn't quite work out, but uh, it didn't uh, stunt my passion for performing and and being on stage and, and wanting to do that for my life. Yeah, as I recall, that school was, uh, they, they threw out almost everybody in the undergraduate program and deemed them not um, good enough to continue studying. Y- y- pretty much. Yeah. I was on, I quit myself. Oh, good. I good for you. I was on artistic and academic probation at the time, so... Uh, <laughs> artistic? I really... What in the yeah. world is artistic probation? Oh, it was because I had missed movement classes and, and wasn't wearing a dance belt during those said... You know what dance belt is? Dance oh, yeah. belt is kind of like a jock strap, but like instead of the straps going around your cheeks, they, there's they go one... Through. It goes whoop and it goes yep. right up the the middle. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's I, not cool for a yeah. eighteen year old guy first year of school. You it's know. not cool for a twenty three year old guy. Which is no, what, it's not cool for a forty six year old man, which not, is what I am now. It's not unless, cool at listen, all. Listen, unless I was a unless I was a, a, a trained ballet dancer, we, you probably get used to that. I was in the MFA program in that same school, and I, I've uh, I've experienced those dance belts myself. And, uh, it, yeah, you know what again. I'm talking about. I know. Yeah, no. So you, how do you feel about chocolate ice cream? <laughs> I don't feel how, very good, how Lloyd. Do you, how, do you, how do you feel about <laughs> chocolate ice cream? We used to have these classes and and and, and movement. And movement was basically, you know, you learn, you learn how to move in a period piece. You learn certain dances. You you learn how it's kind of like Pilates meets yoga meets all this different meets like ballet. It's, it's <laughs> encounter it's groups and yeah, yeah, therapy yeah. And, yeah. You know, you know, yeah, th- totally therapy. <laughs> um, but we used to we used to you know get asked these questions as we were releasing into the, you know, into our breath. You know, how do you feel about chocolate ice cream? I remember once the, she was walking around. This particular teacher was walking around. Um, saying, uh, there's no right or wrong here. There's no right or wrong here. There's no right or wrong here. And then she came up to me, and she put my hand, her, her hand on my back, and she went, John, what you're doing is wrong. You see, you had to... 
And I was like, man, I got to get out of here. This is, <laughs> this they is were wrong. about to kick me out too. They were about to kick me out, but I, I said, nope, I'm, I'm ghost. I'm done. Wear artistic probation as a, as a mantle of honor. I hope, I hope yeah. you do. No, I totally do. Yeah. I totally, I'm one of the only working actors in my class. So it's just like, whatever, man, you know, <laughs> and I don't know. So you leave there, you move on to, to stand up. Now I, I knew yes. about, I knew about you in school and I knew about you doing all the voiceovers. Tell me about your stand up career. That was a six-year stint that uh, we became a real powerhouse act in New York. Um, Still with which the was round a guy. Big deal. Still with the round guy. Um, we lasted from ninety to ninety-six. By the time I was just about done, I started to make a transition back into doing acting work, which is which was really where I wanted to be anyway. So that and that that was great and. And I made the transition because because of voiceover, actually. It was very cool because I could make a living doing voiceover and try and get acting jobs. And that was that was what brought me out to Los Angeles to do Chicago Hope in 96. And then, and then I was here, and I was almost going to go back to New York. And then I booked another job, and it was like, okay, I can stay. And then, then it started to happen for me yeah. out here. So. so Chicago Hope was in, I don't know what you'd call the opposite of voiceover acting, in-person acting, flesh acting? Yes, yeah, yeah in the flesh. Yeah, okay. I was, a, I was a Dr. Sean Underhill, one of the first-year resident students. I'm not a doctor, but I played one on, on TV. On TV. You know, I was able to, you know, and I've been, I've done you know, on-camera stuff here and there, and and it's been really rewarding and, and a lot of fun. But the the place where I get my most work is doing voiceover for, for animation and video games. And, when did and it's you, where I've had my most success, I think. So When did you realize that, oh, okay, I'm, you know, I might still do on-camera stuff, but, but I'm a voice guy now? It, it, I don't really – I mean, like, I think I'm an actor that does – a lot of voiceover. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I think it's it's funny because, like, voiceover actors are actors, you know? And so it's just, you know, first and foremost, at least right. the best ones are. And so, you know, I mean, there's some people that have just good pipes and maybe a couple of couple of gags and they can make it float. But, you know, there's the best ones are the ones that, that really breathe life into stuff. I mean, I definitely do a lot more. Uh, work behind a microphone than I do in front of a camera, and yeah. and I don't have a problem with that. Like some people, there's a lot of ego in this in this business, and some people would be uncomfortable. You know, to, you know they they want to be seen more and more, and it's just like I'm I'm all right, man. I've <laughs> that's the funny thing. It's just like I'm on like you know at the the anonymity is fantastic. You know, being able to just do what I want to do and not really have any people recognize me and and I'm on TV every day, you know, so it's it's kind of cool. Although I know that voice kind of made that a little weird. People started to recognize me from uh, the documentary that yeah, I, I want to produce. I want to ask you about that, but do you do you ever get recognized by voice? Because that happens in radio a lot. Like yes. you're, you're you're buying a burger or something and somebody yes. recognizes you. That ha that has happened to me. Well, because of I think and that I think that has a lot to do with Adventure Time. Yeah. Because Adventure Time, like the voice for Jake the dog is, I like to kind of, the way I describe it is, is it's my natural voice with, with a little bit of a hug on it. You know what I mean? <laughs> so that, that if I start laughing out loud, people are like, that sounds like Jake the dog or Bender or something, you know, like, right, you know, right. if I'm like, ha, 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 ha. 
you know, people are like, hey, that's that's Ben, dude. Are you? Yeah, are You're you? A robot. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So you know that that has happened. So you uh, you make this documentary. I know that voice, uh, and this is a documentary available on iTunes <laughs> and right now. Uh, it's on Netflix it, too. Amazon and it's on Netflix. Yeah. yeah. So, so check it out. So uh, this is all about voice acting and and people in in that industry. Uh, yeah. Why did you make this movie? Um, because one, I wanted to, uh, I really wanted to showcase everybody, and it was, and it's an interesting story. And I was like, I uh, make a movie, okay, let's give it a shot. You know, like I'd never done anything like anything like that before, and and it was something that I I knew about, and it was something that I had a backstage pass to that I could show what's going on, and everybody was on board. You know, we the film is ninety six minutes. We had a hundred and sixty hours worth of material. Oh my gosh! To edit, we had. Did you edit that down interviews. yourself? N- no, I did not. We oh, had good. a great, great, fantastic editor by the name of Brandon Sonier, who I think really helped shape the film in yeah. such an amazing way. So when you, uh, is there anything different in your toolkit as an actor uh, from camera work to voice work, or is it the same process for you? I kind of liken it, and I've heard other actors say the same thing about voiceover work, um, is that it's kind of like acting with your hands tied behind your back and your feet bound. You have to bring all of that to life yeah. with just your voice, you know? So Now, I obviously, it's the worst when people ask a comedian, like, oh, well, tell me a joke then, or do the same thing with someone who's a proctologist, but... Could you give me an example <laughs> <Proctologist>. of, <laughs> you know, you meet a proctologist at a party, you know how it goes. Sure. Um, yeah, I know how it goes. Could it's you like, give me an example your hand. <laughs> of, of how you make an adjustment to to a voice? Like, let's say you're you're uh, uh, playing a, a an alligator who's trying to rob a bank. Uh, an example of like a switch that you might make over the course of... Of the takes well, to change right. that? Well, say, say, say we originally go with... You know, so kind of wide mouth kind of guy. You know, he's got a because because he's an alligator and he's got that big mouth. So you know, you kind of maybe want to play into that. <laughs> but then, you know, maybe, maybe maybe you want to go against type and you want to do something like this so that it's just ridiculous. He's just talking out of the front of his mouth because that's what the <laughs> you know the producer goes. Now we're gonna have him talk more out of the front of his mouth. So now it's just like really the the very front. So you can, you know, play against the size. You can, you can gruff them up a little bit. Or, I mean, like whatever. Like you, yeah. you can change that, and then, and then, and then the acting part comes in, where you, you know, you, you, you act the line within that parameters of that voice. Sure, sure. The the, the situation that you're in. I, yeah. I, w- I want to get back to the documentary here. Um, was there anything that surprised you in the making of that documentary? I'll tell you this: D. Bradley Baker steals the film. Mm. Um, he's, uh, you, you don't, if you think you don't know D Bradley Baker, you do, you, you do, do know D Bradley yes. Baker. He's everywhere. Um, he's everywhere and he is brilliant and he's also an incredibly intelligent man. And he has a, a blog called, uh, I want to be a voice actor and, um, dot com and, um, it's all him and he just gives tips about, you know, voice actors. I always tell people like, go to that. If you really want to know. About about Start know about voice. You, you yeah. watch my movie and then go to his then go to his website. Yeah, you know, just straight up, just because he's just brilliant. But he steals the film. He does some things in it that'll blow your mind, and that was a joy to watch. Like I, it, it's one of those things where it's just like you know, hey, you know, 
I can, I always do baseball analogies. It's like DiMaggio coming in, the big slugger. He's had a couple of hits, but D. Bradley Baker goes to steal third, and he's in there. Wow, I can't believe DiMaggio only needs to bring him home. He can pop it up, and he does so way back. You're a guy with the name DiMaggio, and you make baseball analogies freely? Isn't it it weird? You're just walking in. Oh my God, isn't that so weird? (laughs) John Moe, that is so weird. Seriously. (laughs) That's John DiMaggio, actor and executive producer of the documentary I Know That Voice. The actor we just talked about, D. Bradley Baker, has an IMDb page just as long as John's and can be heard on shows like SpongeBob, American Dad, and he's Cinnamon Bun in Adventure Time. Oh, my body is soft. On this week's radio broadcast, we're airing our show with comedian Harry Kondabolu and the rock band OK Go. Here is one of our favorite sketches from that show. All right, everyone. Um, first staff meeting, very exciting. I'm Eric, and I'm your new boss, the new department director. Um, so we're going to kick things off with an icebreaker game called Two Truths and a Lie. Um, you, you, have you played this? You need to come up with three things about yourself, but only two of them are true, and then everyone has to guess. So two lies no, and... No, 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 two, two truths. Two, and then uh, I'll go first. Okay. One, I grew up in Indiana. Two, I have a dog named Sparkle. And three, I love skydiving. See, it's an easy game. I bet you have two dogs named Sparkle, but one of them lies all the time. What do I win? No, um, it's, it, it's the skydiving. I've never been skydiving. You'd, and you don't win anything. It's, so a trophy? No. I'll go next. I'm thinking of something. I don't know what to say. Oh, well, take a minute. You'll come up with it. No, that, that was it. One, I'll go next. Two, I'm thinking of something. Three, I do not know what to say. <laughs> okay, okay. You did know what to say, so that was your one truth. The others were lies. Two lies and the truth. Again, the game is called Two Truths. Okay, I'll go. Okay, so, now, one, I lie about everything. Two, I am telling the truth. Three, I've lied once already. Boom! Did I blow your minds? (laughs) Trophy! My turn. One, I have soup for lunch every day. Two, I am divorced. Three, my name is Michael. Michael, those things are all true. (laughs) Yes, because one, I'm not a liar. Two, lying is wrong. Three, I have morals. True, true, true. Hey, guys, sorry I'm late. I'm Jimothy. I just... I just started last week. Oh, well, hi, Jimothy. We're, We're playing two truths and a lie. I know, Eric. I was already playing it. One, I am... Sorry I'm late. Two, I am named Jimothy. But three, I've worked here for years, but never go to any meetings. Oh. Okay. Okay, I see. I get it. I'll go again. One, I spent the night in the office last night. Two, I was naked the whole time. And three, you have no idea what I'm capable of. (laughs) Now, which one of those was a... I know what you're thinking, Eric, and the answer is yes. <laughs> Jimothy, uh, are you, um... Do you know uh, the rules to... Two lies, two truths, and a bag. I think there's a bag, right? You put the lie in a bag? That's how we played it when I was a kid in Maine. Well, I, I didn't get a bag. Oh, oh whoops. One, 
I didn't get a bag. Two, I did get no bag. Three, I don't want a bag. Where did the bag come from? There's no, the, the game is called Two Truths and a Lie. My lie is that I don't want a bag. I really want a bag. Fine, we'll play by Vermont rules. No bag. Let's see. One, I poisoned your coffee. Two, I snuck in before the meeting and licked all those bagels. Three, I've secretly slept in all your houses. Whoa, I... I really hope that one of those uh, is, is a, it is it two lies or truths or three truths? No, it's um, it's one. I will seek my revenge on all of you. Two. I will achieve my revenge. Three. I have invented an electric butt. Oh, oh God, oh God, oh God! I want the electric butt to be true. I want it to be true so bad. Even if it means you have to take your revenge on me, it's cool. Uh, Jimothy, is one of those a lie, or are they all true? No. <laughs> Let, let's back up. One, you, you just said no. Two, we are all possibly in great danger from Jimothy. Three, I am a duck. <laughs> You're not a duck. Quit I'm lying. I'm not a duck yet. It's a process. I am attracted to your honesty. Ducks are cute. Let's get drinks. Really? Nope. I was playing three lies in a bag. (laughs) See, I'm from Maine as well. Hate ducks. Give me my bag and my trophy. Who are the judges anyway? One, lies are bad. Two, all you liars are going to hell. And three, I'm reporting this to the HR department. This is the HR department. No. Okay, no, he should be disqualified. He doesn't tell lies. That trophy is mine. There's no trophy. My turn. I hate my job. Every day I dream that an eagle snatches me up and takes me away. And three, I quit. Let's keep playing. No. (sighs) Okay, but only if we play it right. Fine. Cool. Sure. Quack. I'll go for real this time. Two truths and a lie. Thank you. I don't really work here. I just snuck in to lick the bagels. And I need one more. How about the meeting went well? Good, yeah, meeting went well. Okay. One, meeting's over. Two, you're all fired. And three, I've really enjoyed this. When do we get our bag? Just leave the trophy on my desk. Christina Baldwin, W. Kamau Bell, and Damien Kulash as employees, Hari Kondabolu as Jimothy, me as Eric. You should check out that whole show, by the way. OK Go does an acoustic set. It involves a glockenspiel. You know, they're just one of those glockenspiel rock bands. They play rockenspiel. Hurry does this character J.R. Tootmagoots, the owner of a restaurant that serves good food at reasonable prices and also somehow spiritually heals its patrons. That's episode 64. It's a really fun show. Be sure to check that out. If you want a good meal and something more, J.R. Tootmagoots. Let's take a look inside the Wits mailbag. At PCCM underscore Doc, catchy name writes, when Jimothy and Beckany marry, and we know they will, what will they name their kids? 
referring, of course, to our common practice on wits of naming characters Jimothy and or Beckany, uh, spanning many shows for the last couple of years. Now, I don't know that these two are going to marry, um, you know, because Jimothy alone has been a lot of people, plus he's also been a street and a muscle in the human body, as described by Tim Heidecker. Beckany has been several people as well. Some of those were abstract notions. So with all that, it's hard for them to get together to go on a date to Applebee's or J.R. Toot Magoots or anywhere, really, because they are, in fact, proper names without homes, without flesh cars to ride around in. But if they did, uh, I've given this some thought. Their kids' names would be Donathan, Cathrizabeth, Bilstifer, Elizanor, and Steve. At Muddy Mudskipper writes, how do we avoid another emu attack? Well, I'm not the expert on that. We must heed the words of Paul F. Tompkins. E-E-E-E-E-Emu attack. Emu attack. It's happening. Emu attack. We gotta run, run, run before those emus attack. We gotta get our family back on track. Oh, we went into the wilds of Africa or someplace. There's jungles, there's haystacks. Hey, what's going on? We got an emu attack. It's got an emu attack for you. At Blueberry Johnson writes, does power exist without violence? Oh, Blueberry Johnson. Man, that takes me back. I remember when Gran Gran used to make a big pan full of Blueberry Johnson. <laughs> we'd, all, we'd all have to go pick blueberries all morning, and it took forever because it takes, obviously, a lot of blueberries to make a Blueberry Johnson. And then once we had just buckets and, and just huge crates full of blueberries, we'd ride our bikes over to the old Johnson house and persuade one of the Johnson brothers to lie down and let us make a copper cast of his body. And that took hours. And those guys were so grouchy. And when it was finally done, we'd bring the, the mold to grandma, to grand grand, and she would fill the mold with blueberries and sugar and wheat paste and crow meat. And then we'd have to gather everyone from the Johnson family to bless the blueberry Johnson. And then we'd all eat it together. And then, you know, Inevitably, I think this happened every time one of the Johnson brothers would shout, no, that's my soul in there. But it was too late. But to answer your question about whether there can be power without violence, no. At El Brendano, 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 the Brendano. At El Brendano writes, what kind of cheese pairs best with Riesling? And with Grain Belt Premium. Well, okay, with Riesling, big cheese. The biggest cheese you could find. You should preferably get a wheel of cheese so massive that uh, you herniate a disc lifting it, and then uh, it makes you forget all about the fact that you're drinking Riesling. Screw you, Riesling! I have nothing against Riesling. Uh, With Grain Belt Beer, obviously squirt cheese from a can. That one is easy. Next mailbag item comes from at Mockingbird spelled M-A-U, King Bird, so I assume that's a mockingbird on the island of Maui, does Cobb Squadron have a seemingly inevitable medical drama spinoff? Obviously, you know something at Mockingbird. Um, And I don't know how this got out there, but I can't 
comment on our development process for uh, for sketches here on Wits. So that means I can't tell you about Doctor Hospital, which is the offshoot of Cop Squadron, that takes place in a hospital. Are the doctors more worried about their love life than their patients' fate? Yes. Is there a renegade uh, play-by-their-own-set-of-rules surgeon whose methods are unorthodox, but yet they're the best damn surgeon we got? Yeah. Does a patient come in with a disease that threatens to take down the whole city? Yes. But is it the best damn disease we got? Possibly. Is there a special crossover episode with Cop Squadron where Sergeant Jimothy has broken his head and Dr. Hospital has to fix it? Sure. Is there a character named Dr. Hospital who works at Dr. Hospital? There might be. Is there a bear working there as a nurse? Obviously. Does the bear face harassment? Of course. Does the bear need to work twice as hard to prove himself because he is a bear? Well, yeah. Duh. Does he decide to just maul people instead because it's easier? Yes, he does. Is is this is that the basis of a very special episode of Dr. Hospital? Y- yeah, it is. But that is all I can tell you. Cop Squadron. That's all for this podcast. Only Wits. Our music is by John Munson and the Witnesses. Corey Schreppel is our technical director. Larissa Anderson is the senior producer. Peter Clowney is executive producer. Kyle Seeker plays third base for the Seattle Mariners. I'm John Moe. Bye now. Bye now.